0: Josh just read for us out of 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this is a passage of scripture that, if we recall, the apostle is toward the end of his life. I think he knows that the writing is on the wall. It is for that reason that he would speak with hindsight, saying, I have, past tense, fought the good fight. I have kept the race. Now there's this treasure laid up for me. And it's a beautiful, beautiful passage of assurance that he has with regard to the walk that he had with the Lord and the reward that's awaiting him and when we look at passages like this it should serve for for us a beautiful testimony of how we ought to live our lives knowing that well life is so short We all know, because of our Bible studies, how we gain faith, right? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17 tells us. We know that's how faith grows within us. And we're also told in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that without this faith, we cannot please God. In fact, the scripture says it's impossible to please God. When we get back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, however, what does he mean when he says, I have kept the faith? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. What does that mean? I mean, we hear it over and over. In fact, um, for those that went through that truth series um, a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, um, the question was asked when we talk about having faith, faith in what, right? Faith in, in faith, I mean, that was what the author had said. We don't know what that means but faith in something specific something tangible that gives us a clear cut understanding of what is expected when paul says to timothy fight the good fight of faith or i have kept the faith and that's what i want us to spend just a few minutes on because it's reflective on our relationship with the lord and how we walk with him and i believe hopefully when we get through this very simple lesson, it will motivate you to know exactly, concretely speaking, what that faith is and how you ought to live your lives and how we ought to live our lives before our Lord. And so the first thing that we'll notice as we go through the apostle's life is that when we're talking about keeping the faith, he preached about the faith. And so whatever this means right now, he preached on the faith. When we look through the scriptures, I want you to note, some very fundamental truths that sometimes we overlook as Christians. Sometimes we look at certain doctrinal issues and we blow those up so much that it is a quote-unquote matter of faith or matter of doctrine. And then we overlook things that we just expect. And yet these are the things that the Apostle Paul as well as the Apostle John and many of the other uh, disciples of the first century were preaching on as essential to salvation, explicitly essential to salvation. If you turn um, your Bibles to Second John, I want you to read this passage. And sometimes we've used Second John for everything under the sun except for what was actually explicitly spoken of. And I want you to read that passage. Beginning in verse 7, the Apostle John said, Many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ's coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. I want you to come up with every modern issue that is not even explicitly related in Scripture. Not explicitly spoken of or dealt with in Scripture. And see what has been used out of Second John. And compare that with what is explicitly said by the apostle. And repeated in the last verse of the paragraph. Brethren, this was fundamental to the faith. There are many people in the body of Christ that strive to serve the Lord. But Second John gets used against them. When John was using this passage of those who are truly against Christ, they're deceivers, they're false teachers. They deny that Jesus came in the flesh. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word of God became flesh and dwelt among men. And then the people later on, after Jesus, from a standpoint of fact, reality, came and dwelt among men, people then denied that he was even flesh. He said, that's Antichrist. This teaching that anyone says that he has not come in the flesh, don't even have fellowship with such a person. That's fundamental to the faith. That Jesus died and rose again. Another practical thing that it's so easy for us to go, well, obviously, yes, that's fundamental to the faith. But it was taught explicitly. And sometimes we forget these fundamental, these core teachings. In fact, I remember it was over 10 years ago. I was preaching on the resurrection And as we were going through all the passages that dealt with that, someone came up to me after the sermon saying, I never really heard a sermon just dealt with only the resurrection and how fundamental it is to Christianity. That's because it's so accepted that sometimes we even forget these fundamental truths. And yet, Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 and 6 Just as Jesus was telling his disciples about him dying and being raised again, right? Remember, this is, in fact, this is after he rose and an angel says to the disciples that were there saying, who are you looking for? You're looking for Jesus? He died, just like he said he was going to, and he rose again. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, again, false teaching coming along because there were those that deny the resurrection, In fact, I want you to read with me from verses 12 following in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12. If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how? How has some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are also found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. That's how fundamental to the faith the resurrection of Jesus is. You see, when you go through the scriptures and you read about the faith and what was being preached, it's not rocket science. It's not like this one year of Bible classes with people we're trying to share the gospel with, with every issue under the sun. They're preaching the faith that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God. He died. He rose on the third day, and he's up at the right hand of God. He came in the flesh. Read. Just read these scriptures in the New Testament of what was called the gospel, what was called the faith, what was called the way, and it's this simple truth. Not hard. When we're talking about Jesus coming in the flesh and dying and raising again, it was to save this world of sin. And that's why he is regarded as the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the anointed one of this world. That's why Jesus could say, as he did to his disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. He made that explicitly and exclusively clear. So that when they were preaching about the faith, it's not like, well, you know, Jesus kind of sort of is a savior. He's the one, but not the only one. I mean, can you imagine us singing that song? You're the one, not the only one. I don't know if you guys, Lord the people, I don't know if you guys even know that song. <laughs> it's, it's amazing fundamental truth. And that's exactly what Paul says to the church at Rome when he's proclaiming how those who have been justified by faith have access to the grace of God through faith in Christ. Very fundamental. So when we're talking about the faith, sometimes what you hear is all these nuances that are not even dealt with in Scripture but are kept on par with that which is exclusively taught, explicitly taught in Scripture. The reason why I say that is, look at what they died for. They didn't die for issues that weren't of the faith. They were dealing with issues that were explicitly of the faith. And they were willing to go to the cross themselves if there was one. And there were many crosses for followers of Christ in the first and second century. Look at that. That's what he preached, the faith. This is where I don't feel worthy at times. Because it's easy to just share what is true. Try living it. This is the reason why we had the sermon a few weeks ago about, you know, the convictions that we have. Is that genuine in our walk with the Lord? Or is it just talk? Is it just a matter of us coming here and we have the right things to say? We got the right words, the right teaching, if you will. But then do we actually go out and live what we proclaim? Or is it all about just doing what is right from a standpoint of teaching and just go live the way we want to on the rest of the the week that we have? You see, living the faith is every bit as crucial as teaching what we believe. And that's exactly how Paul lived. When we look at his life, we see him. And Jesus even told um, Ananias, you know this, this Saul that I'm sending you to? He is going to be my servant and he will suffer like me. He's going to live the way I have lived. And we see the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 following, we see a litany of things that he recounts to the brethren at Corinth saying, this is, I'm boasting in the flesh, but this is what has been my life because I believe the things that I was teaching. Shipwrecked, left for dead, imprisoned, beaten, all these things because of what he taught. It was because he taught jesus came in the flesh is because he taught that that he died and rose again and that the world is convicted of their sins or needs to be right we see him before leaders of all kinds and as a result of him being hated for this message that he's preaching the faith we see consequences and those consequences that he suffered like his savior now this point right here, this very point that I'm talking about right here. So what happens when you preach the truth and no one wants to hear? And we are now, we are crossing the threshold in our society. Where evil is called good and good is evil. Where there's no absolutes. I mean, we've been crossing that threshold for a while, but boy, things are really at a rapid pace, right? Right? We have laws in our land that would just allow for things that just years ago would not have been allowable. It's not just teaching here in the pulpit. Brethren, are we going to stand the way the apostle did when the time comes when you have to open your mouth for the cause of Christ? That's what he did. He did this because he loved people, genuinely loved them. He did not want a soul to perish. His brethren that he loved so much, it would get him upset, but he'd love them and and preach to them. That's the greatest commandment, right? We're told in verse 40 of, of Matthew chapter 22, on these two hang the law and prophets. And what are those two? Loving God, love your neighbor. That's what happens for those who are of the faith, who live according to the faith. And so we see that. And we looked at this passage just a couple weeks ago about 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 following. That whatever you do, everything you do is all to the glory of God. Because you love your neighbor. You love your brother. You love your sister in Christ. So when we're talking about him preaching and living the faith, really what we're saying is he kept the faith. That's what we're saying. Christianity is not difficult. To understand that is. It's difficult to actually live it out. If you're going to live it out in a world that hates Christ, that hates his way, his truth. And Christianity has become hostile in this country. If it it may not be at the the point that we're looking at in other nations, but it's hostile in many ways now. And so if we're going to listen to the Apostle Paul and follow in his footsteps... We're going to do what he desires, God desires. And that's for all of us to keep the faith, so to speak. And when we look at that, then, we'll see what that means. We're told in Philippians chapter 2, remember, um, if I remember correctly, I think this is Ron's favorite passage from verses 5 through 9. But look at verses 10 and 11 in Philippians chapter 2. Go to Philippians 2. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 10, the whole reason why Jesus came And humbled himself before his God, before the heavenly father, was to serve. And in serving, going to the cross. And in going to the cross, having his father raise him up and exalt his name above every name. And that's where we pick up in verse 10. That at at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. That every tongue should confess That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the whole purpose. That we believe in the name of Jesus the way the apostles taught, the way they lived, with that conviction. And that's what he's saying here. And that we live faithfully, conforming, if you will, to the image of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. That we are conformed to the image of our Savior. our Christ he is the express image of God Hebrews 11 verse 3 he is the very nature of God come in the flesh and that's the thing about Jesus that that we have to be convicted about if we're going to live like him and then if we're going to live like him we're gonna follow in his footsteps and and humbly submit to our God the way he did that's Philippians chapter 2 have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus and humbles himself. And that's what we need to be doing. If we're going to live according to the faith. And when we do that. We're going to get people who hate us. Right now. I told you about two weeks ago. I think I was going to. Uh, I was considering the sermon on the transgender topic. Remember. I'm going to go ahead and preach it next week. Um, particularly because now our president has stepped in and has, has created a law, right? Or he's using his <laughs> amazing, <laughs> the, uh, the branches of our government, I think is all messed up right now, <laughs> Not, as far as fulfilling the roles. That's my personal opinion. But we're talking about laws that for, for all the good you can try and look into, and brethren, try your best to look into the goodness of where laws are, And what can be, there's a whole lot of evil, too, as anyone can easily see. But I want to look at this topic because I believe God's word is very explicit about male and female. And if we're talking about standing up for the cause of Christ, the the issue is sin, not these symptoms. But these symptoms give us indication of a a great sickness in our society. I want us to deal with that. But if we're going to contend for the faith, we got to look at the big picture, not at the small issues. And sometimes as Christians, that's what we do. We get, we get so caught up in the details of small issues, and we make that the big issue of life, so to speak. And that's what I'm seeing on a lot of Facebook posts and what have you. we are going back to the big picture. Jude 3, contend for the faith. Now, that may be that there's going to be symptoms that you deal with, but there's a broader issue. And I'm going to share that broader issue because it was a statement made by a preacher um, in South Dakota a few days ago. Got in into some trouble with brethren because he didn't have all the caveats in place. You know, whenever you say something, if you don't have caveats, you're going to get in trouble. So we're going to look at that and how that, face, how that fits with this phrase right here, contending for the faith. But that's what Jude was saying. Contend for the faith, earnestly for the faith. And that's exactly what Paul told Timothy. He told him to fight the good fight of faith. We cannot lose sight of what that is, concretely speaking, as the scriptures explicitly have revealed to us. And brethren, when we can do that, it makes it easier to see what our goal is, what our mission is, as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ. But make no mistake, if we are going to be very clear about our goal in sharing the gospel about the faith, if you will, you'll be hated. We'll go back to first century Christianity all over again. And I believe that's what it means to keep the faith because that's what the scriptures explicitly have taught us. I want you to see that as we close this morning, there's a future. The whole purpose of doing this is not just, just to have tension, just to have enemies. What Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, is what motivates me at least, and hopefully all of us, to keep the faith. He said, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his coming. Brethren, that's why we keep the faith. There is that treasure. And it's assured us. And just as Paul could go to his grave assured, in the midst of whatever trial he was faced with, from imprisonment to all the other things before him, we can too and I hope that will motivate you in in far as keeping the faith and having that conviction. Now, I'm trying to look and see who all's here visitor-wise that I don't know you specifically. But when Jesus told his disciples to go into the world and preach the gospel, it was with this in mind, keeping the faith of who he is, what he's done, and who you are without him, and that is every one of us are sinners without him. We all fall short of his glory. And just as Jesus died and rose again, what's pictured for us, when Jesus said, going into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, it is with the picture that you would die with him and raised to walk in newness of life with him. Just as he was resurrected, you are resurrected to a new life in Christ. That's the preaching that the apostles were told. And that's the explanation that was given in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And so I pray that if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that conviction would cause you to call upon His name, and that you're willing to turn away from your way of living to His way, the faith, then I beg you to be buried with Him in baptism, that you may rise to walk in the midst of life. That's a teaching of the faith. And brethren, by all means, if you're not walking with him, don't hide. Does you no good? Return to the faith. Use an opportunity like what we have traditionally with this invitation to come and we'll pray with you. I mean, you know what's going on in your heart. I don't. Many of us don't. But you do. And if you want our prayers, by all means, We're a family. We pray for each other because we love each other. So this invitation is for you, for you, for those who need to come to the Lord right now. Together we stand and sing.